people can appreciate me being really fucking honest here. But, you know, even in the work that I was doing in Jamaica, I had this mentality of a martyr like poor Eric. He has to go to a different country. And poor Eric, he's got to spend all these hours instead of, like, realizing, like, how fucking lucky mm-hmm. I was, you know. And, I mean, it's it's just been it's been a part of every aspect of my life, this self-fucking pity. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. everyone welcome back to another episode of psilocybin says this is courtney rose and eric osborne we are so grateful to have you here with us today we are talking about something a little bit different than usual today eric just got back from a special trip yeah trip in multiple meanings (laughs) of the word Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's right. So uh, during this trip, it wasn't your your typical psychedelic trip in that you imbibed with something a little bit different. Oh, my typical psychedelic trip. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, psilocybin is my typical medicine sacrament of choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, psilocybin finally said... It's time to do ayahuasca, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, been a long time. Long time. I was wondering when it was going to happen. Uh, you know, I've never felt even the slightest inclination to do ayahuasca or to work with ayahuasca. It has just kind of been there on the peripheral. Ayahuasca is actually what, or well, I shouldn't say ayahuasca, but the... Um, the awareness, the hype, the excitement, the attention that ayahuasca received um, globally, really, culturally, mm-hmm. is what inspired me to really push my work with psilocybin uh, in 2011, 2010, when ayahuasca was just really starting to become known really to the western world or that's that's around the time that there were a a significant uptick in um, psychedelic tourists going down to peru and working with the shamans and whatnot and Mm -hmm. i think probably some you know actors and actresses started to get involved with ayahuasca around that time um is when i i felt inclined to really bring psilocybin to the forefront as much as as I could in my work um, because you know culturally historically here in the west psilocybin has been really a recreational drug Uh, the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and you always heard about people taking mushrooms and just hanging out and laughing and we always used mushrooms uh, to you know have a good time and there were insights and and certainly deeper experiences that came out of that but it was never really applied in a super thoughtful um, certainly ceremonial setting and that's not to say that it didn't happen obviously it did Uh, there was a lot of ceremonial and and psychological work that was being done with psilocybin in the early days of its uh, western introduction but popularly I think overwhelmingly psilocybin has been viewed as a recreational drug, whereas ayahuasca, Mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to think of ayahuasca in terms of recreation uh, because the experience is, um, it's not just psychedelic, you know, it's very physical as well. Psilocybin can be. Everyone's wondering right now, how much did you puke (laughs) and... I've, I've definitely thrown pants. up more on psilocybin. Uh, didn't have any kind of, um, um, uh, how do I want to say it, um, fecal You didn't have issues. to use your, your backup pants? No, I didn't. That they have. asked you to bring? <laughs> I definitely took a, uh, a couple of extra pairs of pants, <laughs> but I did not need them. 
<laughs> that is a psychedelic professional uh, right there. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, not necessarily. It's just whatever whatever happens, you know, that's just not what happened for me. It was funny, though, in the midst of, or not the midst, toward the, towards the end of the first experience when I definitely felt like, you know, there was going to be some, some rectal release uh, mm-hmm. coming up. I, I kept kind of holding off and I felt like I was I was attempting to reabsorb the DMT. That's what I kept telling the guy that I was working with. It's like I feel like I'm just holding my shit, basically, uh, hoping that I'm gonna reabsorb because it was a great, it's a very pleasant experience that I was wanting to prolong. Um, mm. And you know that was just I guess wow. my mind kind of taking playing with the idea of not wanting to let go of the. You know, people don't want to throw up their mushrooms because they say they want to be able to get all of the psilocybin out of it. Yeah, so kind I of I take didn't taking your semen retention practice to a new level. Yeah, uh, there. diarrhea retention. Whew. Yeah, it's pretty. B- it's pretty pretty rough. There's no doubt. Um, yeah, no doubt. Just trying to reabsorb. <laughs> anyway. Um, so how did you how did you prepare for that? For what experience. the experience itself or the yeah. the. Yeah, the, ex- the possible <laughs> diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's all Besides mixed taking in. Taking an extra pair of pants. I'm sure that was a you consideration. Know, I, I, so, I, d- I didn't uh, do like a two week long diet, uh, and I didn't, um, you know, go to extreme fasting or preparation for it. I did do a solid 24 hour fast of nothing but water uh, beforehand. And um, I didn't eat certain foods like meats. You drank uh, a little coffee, though. I did right. have some coffee, yeah, that morning. I did have a little bit of coffee, one cup of coffee. Um, didn't do any alcohol for, uh, you know, four days, I think, prior uh, where I, you know, had, you know, had been drinking like, you know, every other day or something, having a couple mm-hmm. beers. Um and I just try to really be mindful about the experience going into it and also just kind of go into it with a blank slate. I hadn't done any psychedelic God, it's so I, I haven't I haven't done a psychedelic for myself for a very long time. I mean a very long time. And that's really what was the biggest difference about this experience versus the mushroom experiences that I've had in, in the recent years. Uh, is that it was just for me. I just took this for me. I didn't take this to be a support for anybody else. I didn't take this to get any insight into how I could help other people. I just took it for myself. Um, And I tried to go into it without any real strong intentions, at least for the week prior. When Mm -hmm. I got to the experience, I did have a more kind of conscientious intention towards it mm-hmm. um, ge- in terms of general intention. It was just kind of a, uh, you know, help me process a lot of what I, you know, contain. And then when I got to the experience, as I thought more about the things that I really want to heal in myself, um, it turned into God. Well, you know, there was a lot of stuff that led up to it. You know, it was my it was my birthday week. Just just the whole thing is kind of really synchronistic and how this mm-hmm. whole thing unfolded. And I'd, I'd love to just explore that a little bit because it's helping me to continue yeah, integrating to go, and processing it. To go from all uh, those years of not like ayahuasca, not really calling to you. Just yeah, you know, and it still didn't. You know, it didn't so many like people asking you. Yeah. So what happened is. Uh, yeah, and I've, I've worked with a ton of people who have been on ayahuasca retreats and have wanted to help have psilocybin to help them better process their ayahuasca experiences and whatnot or just understand the difference between the two. And But kind of how it started was, um, you know, like I said, all these years ago, I had wanted to bring psilocybin awareness to the public because I saw it as such a powerful sac- sacrament and in 
spiritual healing tool and ayahuasca was getting all that attention and um and so never felt really compelled to take ayahuasca myself just out of this affinity and love that i have for the mushroom and there's a guy that i'm working with now that i've been working with for years and he's been on a ongoing spiritual uh wellness journey and psilocybin it it helped him for sure it helps him but it it he is such a it takes such high doses he has has such a strong uh, default mode network like when you say high doses what do you mean like Like how high I've, i've given him three or four times i've given him you know 15 to 25 grams and he has and a mild experience. Yeah, I mean, he'll have he has a strong enough experience, but he is still very much there. He's still very much in mm. his in his Ralph, as he would say, which is what he calls his ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've been working together uh, through coaching, I suggested to him that maybe ayahuasca would would be the thing that would be strong enough to really kind of break that barrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was living in South America at the time, and, I, you know, I thought that he would just go to Peru, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. close by him, and it just didn't work out for one reason or another, and I mentioned to him that there was a an ayahuasca church here in Kentucky, Peaceful Mountain Way, uh, that I had been aware of their work for many years. And another thing is another kind of aspect of this is the individual that i'm working with is not into the shamanic ceremonial mm-hmm. you know hoopla mm. um he's he's a spiritual person but he's not a religious person per mm-hmm. se uh he's not into all the the dress up and, and play he just wants to get in there and get to work <laughs> and so i had let him know that there is this peaceful mountain way uh damien gover out in berea Kentucky and that I had heard nothing but really good things about them and I knew that they weren't a kind of you know shamanic ceremonial um, church organization and he looked into them thought they seemed like a good fit and decided he would come to Kentucky from South America and do the ayahuasca with them and he said that if if he did that wanted to know if I would go with him and he'd you know cover my expenses and just uh, make it a gift for me so that seems nice yeah yeah he's a he's an amazing amazing guy uh you know I work with I worked with so many wonderful people and and this individual in particular has a very very special place in in my heart and so that was another kind of synchronistic aspect of this is that he uh, is the individual that I ended up doing ayahuasca with, uh, and he in and I state. in my own state, and we both have a lot of, uh, I guess, mommy issues, <laughs> <laughs> and you know we talk about that, and, and being able to relate with him has been a, a helpful part along his journey. Uh, he's had a whole lot more trauma than me in that area, uh, but I, we have been able to relate uh, because because of some some shared experience. And so, yeah, it was uh, just a few days after my birthday. It was actually on my mother's birthday, who I've been you know having some, I guess, some mm. relationship struggles with here lately. Um, it's it's you know as a uh, Growing up in the Bible Belt and being a uh, psychedelic, sexually liberated individual, or, you know, somewhat. For more backstory on that, listen to our podcast episode <laughs> titled. I don't even remember what it was titled. <laughs> it's a couple, couple yeah. episodes ago. Yeah, Courtney and I have talked about our relationship and its evolution pretty openly, and uh, you know, I have struggled as many human beings do with uh, monogamy for a, a large part of my life. I, I am certainly seeing 
as I go along this journey more and more that that is uh, in large part a result of what I feel like was uh, some, you know, maybe not neglect, but an, an affection deficit growing up. And, you know, I have sought the approval and attention of women more than in a healthy way, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, psilocybin and our honest and open conversation and lives have been instrumental in helping me heal. Um, but, you know, it's also created, you know, some more distance between myself and my family uh, that doesn't really understand and isn't willing to look at mm. some of the, you know, behaviors and responsibilities that we all have. And mm. I've got a lot more growing to do. I've got a lot more, um, you know, responsibility to take for sure. And I want to continue to be a better version of myself. And I think that the only way that that's going to happen is if I'm brutally fucking honest mm -hmm. and doing that in a public venue such as this podcast is actually really helpful in mm -hmm. me thinking about the things that I say and do and mm -hmm. questioning whether or not they are true or helpful, you know, and, and all that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, anyway, that's like a whole, that could be a whole episode in itself, like just around healing and when we are wanting to and willing to do the work mm -hmm. to heal and grow mm -hmm. and face our shadows and learn from that but our family and or people who are wrapped up in that mm. trauma and healing are not willing to do the work like how to go from there <laughs> yeah well and that became a big part of my ayahuasca experience so again synchronistically ironically enough uh you know i kind of had a bit of a falling out with my mom on my birthday uh because of my just openness about how i have lived my life not even necessarily about my life as is because you know i'm not really anywhere i'm not i'm i'm so far from the mindset that is that is has been an object of of a lot of the criticism uh, uh but anyway that's a whole nother topic and then yeah interestingly enough this ayahuasca experience fell on my mom's birthday and ayahuasca is often referred to as the mother um and it's perceived as having a more feminine kind of energy Mm -hmm. uh, than mushrooms, uh, I've I've heard that said. You Did know, you I, find that? Well, I've only had two ayahuasca experiences, mm -hmm. and yeah. you know, I mean it. It was like after, probably after the, my fiftieth experience with psilocybin, intentional experience with psilocybin, mm -hmm. that I started to feel like I had any kind of a handle on what. Yeah, it but was. people, but people who only have a couple, even one ayahuasca experience, will say that about feeling yeah. like yeah, it and was people a who have one mushroom experience speak of it as a kind of alien, very yeah, otherworldly thing. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a nature that you can, you know, start to identify, uh, and it did feel. The fir the first experience felt as it came on. Um, I felt like I was just being held, like it was a big warm hug. I, I literally felt a warmth run through my body mm -hmm. and this kind of, I'm laying on my back on a bed and just kind of felt like, like what felt like arms underneath of me supporting me. And, and then you and the kids showed up and I just I felt so loved. I just I just felt so so loved and so okay. Uh, which you know I w I went into it thinking like I was gonna get an ass kicking, really. Um, but that was the opposite of the case. Uh, I, I really felt just reminded how okay I am, mm -hmm. uh, which was very very helpful. But, you know, these folks, again, they're, again, more in line with my approach to 
sacred plants, which is not muddled in the cultural artifacts of uh, traditions that we mm-hmm. have no attachment with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no rattles, no drums, no incense. Uh, he did did play a recording of some Icaros, which was, at first I was a little bit like, ah, I thought we weren't going to get all, mm-hmm. you know, but it actually ended up being a really nice, just kind of background noise, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, Icaros, so uh, for yeah, people that don't the know. the traditional songs that are sung by Ayahuascaros. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, can you walk us through arriving at the place like you drove up yeah you drive up and, and uh you go get your key from the place that this is this was a private experience versus the group experience they have a very different setup for their group ceremonies mm-hmm. um and so we went and you know it's it's out in bumfuck kentucky which you know i personally Yee-hoo. love yeah um and so little old lady <laughs> gives us our key to our cabin and we just went over to the cabin got set up and then within i think we got there around two and then around four demian came in and we had a um you know about an hour to an hour and a half conversation about why we were there and what we had maybe thought we might we might get out of the experience and my approach was just you know give me whatever the medicine needs me needs to give me but i had started in the past, especially since that thing with my mom, uh, I had started really becoming very aware of this tendency that I had been uh, kind of ingrained with to think in terms of, um, I I just called it the poor Eric, uh, kind of, I don't know, whatever, tragedy. Uh, that's what I grew up a lot Story. hearing. Yeah, I grew up hearing a lot. Oh, poor Eric. Poor Eric. He has, you know, a dad that's too hard on him. Oh, poor Eric. He doesn't ever get to be a kid. Poor Eric. Poor Eric. And it had a huge impact on my perspective, my paradigm of the world. And I know I can really recognize looking back how. You know, I have oftentimes played the martyr, you know, in past relationships. Oh, poor me. And and even in this um, struggle with monogamy, it's been a, you know, oh, poor Eric. He doesn't get to have all the fun that he wants to have. You know, oh, poor Eric. You know, not enough women love him. And it just was a fucking loop, man, of... You mean like other people would say that to no, you, no, or that you were the, saying yeah, that, that to was yourself? The track going on in my head. I mean, everything in my life was this poor Eric. This poor Eric. He has to, even even like you know, and I, I, I hope people can appreciate me being really fucking honest here. But you know, even in the work that I was doing in Jamaica, I had this mentality of a martyr, like poor Eric. He has to go to a different country and poor Eric he's got to spend all these hours instead of like realizing like how fucking lucky mm-hmm. I was you know and I mean it's it's just been it's been a part of every aspect of my life this self fucking pity mm-hmm. uh, this pity party I know you've seen it and like yeah I have a great fucking life and I've been wrapped up in this story of how unfortunate y- yeah yeah and I mean there's been a big shift in that story in the last couple months though mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely i mean well you know it's like uh, in the last year but really yeah it's like in i the see in in working with people with psilocybin people often talk about how the healing that they experienced during their trip actually started months before and so you know i'm not going to get off into some weird quantum theory on yeah <laughs> time and relativity uh, um, but you Why know not? i don't feel like or i i am quite certain that we're not functioning in a linear fashion and that i mean i've even said to you in the last couple of days that i'm i am currently extremely grateful for all of the hardships because i see them now creating the person that I am uh, so you know we can have a, a shift in perspective we we perceive it as a, as occurring somewhat instantaneously but it's really gradual and it's really happening 
in a manner not in line with how we perceive time and moving through time. So, you know, uh, the things that have happened in the last year, years, lifetime, you know, they're all happening right now and all informing how we experience right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of has been a, a ongoing realization that I've had this perspective of, you know, poor Eric and how unhelpful it is and how it takes me out of the moment and how it prevents has prevented me from being aware of how fortunate I am. Um, and so when I went into the ayahuasca, I, I, I said consciously, like, you know, I think that if, that if there was a condition that I would like to alleviate from my mental state, it would be this notion of, you know, poor Eric. I would want to see how fortunate mm. I am. And, and that's really what happened. Um, hmm. That's really what happened. I, it started out with you and the kids, like I said, and I felt so supported and I felt so... Uh, how the universe has just really given me so much. And then it kind of eventually translated into, like, how fucking cool I am. Like, how oh, what, a, what an awesome person I am. And, you know, Demian, uh, towards the end, we got into some conversation, and he asked some really excellent questions. Um and again, you know, being on that side of the table helped me realize how important the role that I have played is mm-hmm. and, you know, and how good I am at it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's another aspect of being able to acknowledge um, my, my own skill and ability and uh, commitment to, to helping people. And, you know, I know that Demian and none of us are completely hundred percent healed and I don't feel like I should have been or should be a better person or somehow I have not been worthy of the role that I've held Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely feel that I am more capable now of showing up for people in an expanded way uh, because of the amount of clearing that I've had in my own self so yeah, it uh, hmm. eventually turned into just how how fortunate I am, how I live like a fucking king, basically. Like, mm-hmm. you know, why do I, that's why I kind of, I got into a laughing fit of saying something like, I've been worried about dollars when I'm a fucking millionaire, you know, <laughs> I've been like pinching pennies when I've got an endless supply of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Then another big takeaway was through the conversation with Demian was that, you know, I I also, I think because of multiple factors, I have been using the external to validate my internal. And that's been a big aspect of this um, drive towards non-monogamy. It's been a big aspect of me being driven towards really impactful work Mm -hmm. is trying to validate my worth through external measures and it was like a a switch flipped and I saw I used to think uh, I am awesome because of all the things that I do and it switched over to being uh, I do awesome things because I'm an awesome person Hmm. right yeah, if that makes it's a big sense. shift. It was a complete 180. It's just like the the coin flipped, uh, the table turned, <laughs> however you want to say it. Yeah, it was the opposite, and uh, you know it's also relative to that conversation that we had, and that's been an ongoing part of my uh, growing and healing process uh, in this being in the moment and going from it was like a, a direct flip of being like thinking about what I don't have to realizing what is right in front of me and and how how valuable all that is. And yeah, I I really can say that I have done an enormous amount of growing. In the last year, 
Uh, but really, in the last couple of months, I feel like I have just mm. had mm-hmm. a massive, massive perspective shift. Yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head and mm-hmm. being around this big shift mm-hmm. every single day you've been so full of gratitude i mean there's been an ex- maybe like one or two yeah, days yeah, in the yeah, past yeah. couple months where you mm-hmm. haven't been but well there was that that thing with my mom put me into a couple of days spiral yeah you know but that was the understandably well yeah but i mean yes and no i mean that was just a uh it was an attempt by the universe to illustrate this pattern and i went into that oh poor me eric doesn't even have a mom that loves him kind of thing or eric's mom doesn't love him like he is you know which just was more of the same fucking thing and so i even well i guess i'll hold that for the recount of the second experience but you know basically came to appreciate all of that Mm, okay so you've been speaking primarily about your first experience with uh, ayahuasca yeah, then yeah, and yeah. okay yeah. so yeah so just to clarify all, there were two, two two doses and then you drink that it's like are you talking about prepping for ayahuasca just, or are you talking about, about <laughs> the ayahuasca itself like we didn't talk about you know you asked about what the preparation or going to the experience was like and you know yeah i'm sure most people know by now that are listening to this anyway that ayahuasca is a, a pretty foul tea brown tea and it goes in looking that way, and it comes out looking that way. Woo! Yeah, it's Hello. Fight. Just uh, inspired a new chocolate drink recipe. No, if anyone's curious, no, man, chocolate <clears throat> Which there's, you know, uh, even with mushrooms, I see a ton of value in like getting through that yucky part. You know, like p- people when we did the mu- when we did mushrooms in Jamaica, we made them in capsules and. Um, I n- there's a part of me that never felt right about that, mainly mm-hmm. because you're disconnected from the actual organism itself, but also because I think there's an enormous amount of value in like chewing them up and being mm-hmm. like, "Look, this tastes gross," kind of yeah. thing. I mean, same. for some people, and ayahuasca the same same way. I would never want to see ayahuasca, you know, made into a tasty chocolate beverage. That's that's defeating, or it's it, it's like that's against. Right. The nature well, of I was I was joking. Medicine. You remember my chocolate. Yeah. Eric got back and I tried yeah. to make him a really special chocolate special, mocha right. mocha drink before we went to uh, a very fancy uh evening event yeah. called the Gaslight Festival. Yeah. <laughs> which is also a joke. It's not fancy at all. No. Um but I made a mocha beverage with some ceremonial <laughs> cacao <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone has tried to make um a cacao beverage with like chocolate before which has cacao butter in it then you know that it all settles at the bottom of the drink because you know oil yeah. and water it don't really mix kept for ceremonial purposes <laughs> so basically <laughs> eric took a drink and goes what in the actual fuck is this <laughs> you're like it's medicinal <laughs> i was like it's medicinal and he's like this is like ayahuasca with chocolate this sucks yeah, well. and so we called it chocolate <laughs> anyone wants the again. recipe happy to divulge yeah, yeah but anyway yeah, no trade secrets there <laughs> back on track to the yeah, yeah, diarrhea yeah. Uh, drink well the second one was actually m- it was, it's so f- it's so amazing these 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 plants these medicines sacraments however we want to call them these teachers um, you know first experience was pretty powerful in terms of psychedelic effect uh, great visuals paintings of trees just swaying and and that was at the end when I was just so elated and just wanted to keep the experience going um, and it actually seemed to get stronger as the night went on up until a point and just kind of disappeared um and then the next day we did another session uh which i was very reluctant to do did not want to go through that sensation of the drinking and the morning after the first session i did have some pretty uh leaky gut syndrome going on uh but
but not during, not the night of. I didn't puke not first night, never had any purging, which I hmm. fully expected. Did have some, like, kind of, you know, mucus hacking and whatnot, but nothing mm-hmm. significant. And then the second night, <coughs> I was like, well, you know, how many times have I encouraged people to take that next dose of mushrooms when they really didn't want to? Yep. And uh, so I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow my own advice here. And I did. Uh, and I'm glad I did. It was so much more mild than the first experience. Hmm. Uh, I expected it was going to be really powerful. And, yeah, I just kind of, like, wasn't really feeling anything for a, a, hmm. a while. Whereas the first dose, I felt coming on real quick. Um, you felt it coming on in your body or... I started getting visuals real quick visuals, on the first okay. dose. And then I got kind of, like, that pacey uh, energy uh-huh. lift kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the second dose, not at all. I ended up just feeling compelled to be barefoot. So I took off my shoes and stepped outside into the grass and just kind of stood there. And uh, it was really, it was very, so, so very often when I have, when I take a psychedelic, especially if you're not around and not around the family, which is most of the time, mm-hmm. um, very often. During the onset, there will be some anxiety around mm-hmm. you and the family. What mm-hmm. happens if what what if I lose them? What if something happens? What if mm-hmm. you know I, you know whatever I'm not there, and whatever. Yeah. And uh, this time when that came on, what came to me was, well, if that happens, then I'm going to remember and appreciate all of the life that we've had up to this point and i'm going to be so grateful that i got to know these people and uh i'm really glad we're recording this god it just drives home how important this is for people that we work with um you know doing these integration well yeah but doing these recordings this is even more because Uh you get really you get really intention, really mindful about mm-hmm. it, and you realize that you can go back and listen to this, mm-hmm. and that's so valuable <coughs> in yeah. bringing the experience back because it it will always fade away. I'd love to do some podcasts with some church members that have had we recent will. yeah, it's going to be happening. Experiences. Yeah, that's we're already talking about that. Um, so I had this yeah, I had this want to be barefoot. The sensation of you 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 all and. If something happens, then so be it. Grateful to have known you and had the experiences that we've had. And then, uh, actually, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, before I dosed the second time, Demian was asking about uh, intentions, and I had related that while I felt like there was an enormous amount of clearing that happened on the first session, that I still felt throughout the session that there was kind of a little bit of a heaviness around my heart. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, grief blocks the heart chakra is what he said and I was like okay well I'll just take it with a grain of salt you know but it, mm-hmm. it rang true mm-hmm. but when he said that I was like man I, I've been when I, th- I, didn't, I didn't say this but I thought like I've been grieving I feel like I've been stuck in grieving mode I have cried so much for my you know marriages that didn't make I've cried so much for my businesses that didn't make I've cried so much for my family that didn't you know my parents and the loss of that kind of all that, and I, I have done so much grieving. I feel like, how could I have more fucking grieving to do? I'm so tired of crying, so mm. over the crying, and um, so I just kind of let it go. Went in, took the my, took the dose, went outside barefoot, had this thing with you all, and just like well, that's okay. And then it popped in my head, um, you know, well, shouldn't grieving like okay, grieving, but shouldn't we celebrate when someone dies, like? We spend we all, and then I thought, well, but, but no, you have to mourn people dying. You have to mourn when someone dies because you, it's, you're gonna miss them. And it took me to Jamaica and how uh, they do funerals mm-hmm. and burials there. And as you know, in Jamaica, they have uh, what's called a setup, mm-hmm. and setup is a big fucking party. You just like, 
I mean, depending on how popular the person was, is depending on how big the party is, right? How much money and you have to spend. Yeah, <laughs> and how much money people people will spend to remember you. That's what another thing too, like the community. If you don't have money, but you are a well known, mm-hmm. well loved person, right. then the community will throw money in, right? And and throw a big party. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that was just really beautiful. I've loved that. Um, and so you know, big party, lots of rum, lots of singing, and recalling how great this person was. Uh, and I was like, well, yeah, they have that. Why don't we do that instead of grieving? And then it clicked in my head, like, also in Jamaica, don't forget that the day before the setup, they have a grieving. And they spend the entire day, like, they will, like, literally start drinking rum, like the close friends of the person. And this is, like, it's very uh, patriarchal machismo culture where it's like this is a m- mainly a men thing and there's a lot of and there's a lot of baggage there and a lot of like you know the men are drinking the rum and the women are cooking the food kind of thing but you know just from a medical fo- metaphorical standpoint bear with me here that the day before the setup the day before the party I had forgotten that there was this day of mourning and so they spend the whole day drinking rum and bemoaning the loss of this person men will cry and it'll be this just very emotional day and then the next day they have the big fucking party and Mm -hmm. i saw this as a metaphor for my life and thought well fuck i've been stuck in the grieving day i've been stuck in the morning day and totally forgot about the party day yeah and that's it's setup phase setup and that's when it came like the the phrase or what I ended up you know making a a very important and very influential post on Facebook. Yes, as <laughs> all Facebook thousands posts. of people have changed their lives Usually. now because of this Facebook post. Right, as always happens when any of us post. Thank on God social you media. post on Facebook oh, as much how as you could do. We change the world without social media. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no the the. Uh, kind of phrase that came to my head was that when you finish grieving the loss of the life you wanted, you can celebrate the life that you have. And like that's what happened. It, it didn't turn into an immediate like woohoo party. It actually turned into a puking when that when mm. that happened. Naturally. Oh, and you'll find this interesting. Yeah. I didn't tell you about this, but when that happened, when that occurrence, when th- when that realization came to me. A horse over in the distance came and walked right over oh, wow. to where I was. And Demian and the facilitator went out and they were petting the horse. And as they were petting the horse, I could feel like this heart Whoa. energy. And I felt like this weight lifting off of my heart. And that's when I started to purge and did a nice puking there. And as I'm puking, I look up and there's a cordyceps mushroom right in front of me. I'm actually puking out mushrooms from the breakfast that I had that morning. Wow. And there's a cordyceps mushrooms there. The, d- the day Horses after. Horses and mushrooms. The day after the first ayahuasca experience, I walked outside, and there was an Amanita muscaria, like, 100 paces from the house. And I was just like, holy shit, of course the mushrooms are here. They, they, they're the ones that brought me. Wow. It's like uh, they love you or something. Yeah. Well, th- and that's another big thing that did, did, did come out of the overall with the working with ayahuasca is that, you know, mushrooms are m- still, they are my sacrament. They are my medicine. They are my family. Ayahuasca can be my friend, but mushrooms are certainly my family. Uh, so anyway, after that, after that purging, kind of walked over under a tree, sat on a little mossy hill and felt like. I wasn't, I wasn't like visually tripping. There was no really hallucinogenic or s- true like classical psychedelic experience. Uh, but as I sat there, I felt like I wanted to talk. I started kind of talking to myself, and then I was just like, eh, this is kind of hollow. And so I asked the facilitator, which was really a very – it was challenging for me to do that because I, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. one to generally ask – for help, especially if it's like help that I don't really need, like mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> but I asked uh, Sandy, very very sweet facilitator, uh, if she would come over and just kind of be a sounding board, and she did. And I, I I talked about you know just so much family and and my experience and how I had realized how you know just feeling sorry for myself and that it was time to let go of all that grieving and and really enter into a celebration phase and 
you know, she she as a mother helped me talk out that because you know you, I anyway have felt a lot of obligation and guilt around being a, a good child, you know. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, you don't owe anybody anything, Eric. Like you owe yourself an enjoyable life. You owe yourself, you know, a pat on the back. Uh, but you don't you didn't ask your mom to get pregnant. You didn't ask to be brought into this world. Like if anything, don't they owe you? And I start even start thinking about my kids and like how, you know, my children have given me such a sense of purpose and like my kids don't owe me a fucking thing. If anything, I owe them an enormous sense of gratitude for helping me, you know, learn what it means more to be a human. Uh, and so just the whole thing really, it was a very calm, very, you know, just thoughtful conversation because it was a conversation. It wasn't me just, you know, rattling shit off. Uh, she asked questions and talked about her children and her working with ayahuasca and, and whatnot. And yeah, it just ended up being like such a wonderful, peaceful experience um that helped me i truly feel like move into this space of being able to celebrate the life that i have and Mm -hmm. while it's only been you know five or six days something like that um i just feel i feel an increased presence uh increased gratitude you know like when we lay down together at night and just like falling off to sleep and I just feel so grateful for for you and our kids and our home and I can look and I can look at like every aspect of my life now in a in a different way and feel how it enriches my life rather than how it is some kind of a burden or how it could be better you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of, I, I could feel, if I wanted to, to allow myself to feel embarrassed or guilty or stupid or whatever because of wasting a lot of time, but what good's that going to do? Uh, moreover, I'm grateful yeah. that I went through all of that period so that I could feel the gratitude and presence that I, I feel now. I mean, I like, you know, the the way that I feel about our relationship and and you as a person and our children and and the intensity of that focus has brought me like such a richness i mean you know i don't want to get too too graphic but uh you know i guess it was you know we were, last night we were just kissing a little bit and mm-hmm. you know it didn't turn into anything crazy it's not but like i said i can't get all graphic but it was so, no, I mean, this was really, I think this is really Crazy valuable. Crazy is relative. I think this is really valuable um, how hyper aware I was of, you know, our lips together and how just enormously grateful is not even the word, just like, in enraptured awe of that moment and and like just holding your hand or watching the kids play is just like holy shit this is the greatest fucking thing on the planet you Mm -hmm. know and it's my life Mm -hmm. you know so um yeah that's kind of been my ayahuasca i'm really grateful that you took that opportunity to to do the ayahuasca and I know there was a little bit of resistance going into it a lot yeah (laughs) (laughs) and nervousness and yeah just yeah different feelings and so I'm grateful that you ended up doing it and even that morning you know we weren't sure if it was going to happen and yeah um, yeah there's a lot of kind of questions around it yeah so I'm grateful that you went for it and that it all worked out like it did and I'm enormously grateful for you and 
exactly how you are and exactly how our relationship has been and unfolded over the last eight years and mm. yeah. future. It's amazing. And we're, we are, we're doing amazing work because we are amazing people. You know, our work doesn't prove us. Uh, we are, the work that we do is something that emanates from who we are. Mm-hmm. And I've been, really, it's been brought to my awareness how uh, amazing of a soul you are, the spirit you are. And so many people that we know, I mean, look around last night, the people that are at our house and mm-hmm. people that we know. and It's so easy for us to kind of get in criti- critical mode and um, pick ourselves and other people apart. But we are we are really amazing creatures, and we all deserve. We all owe ourselves a little pat on the back for getting where we are. Definitely. I hope that the listeners out there can can identify with some of this. If not, identify with it. Just maybe let it sink in. Um, and at some point, if we keep moving towards that direction, you know, you will. We will get there and there's so much more growth and healing for me to do uh and it's all just it's just a beautiful journey and we have to we we can find a way to be grateful for the journey and the destination equally Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and uh on that note happy fall equinox well i guess by the time that you all hear this it won't be exactly fall equinox but yesterday was the 22nd and we celebrated the fall equinox, which was at 3.21 p.m. <laughs> yes. Shall I go on? No. That's, uh, that's they, well, got go- they got Google. I think this is a great time for everyone to celebrate life and the harvest, so to speak. Mm. And um, there's so much to be grateful for. And yes, life can be really freaking hard and challenging and we've all got our own challenges uh and at the same time we've got a lot so you can listen to this and hear the birds coming through and all the little sounds um that's life yeah so i'm really grateful for you eric and you listening and yeah hope you have a great day all right, till next time. Till next time. And the beating of the drum. Yeah.